Hello everyone, this is your host Ramakrishna from Usha Investment Group LLC. Welcome back to Multifamily AP360, the show where we discuss 360 degrees views on mindset, passive and active multifamily investing. For those who are looking for tips, strategies, best and challenging experiences. Also, I request you to share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Today's our guest is Heather Drews from Secure Investment Corp. Welcome, Heather. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Thank you very much. A little bit about Heather. With us today is Heather, the Director of Funding at Secured Investment Corp and Fund Manager with one of the fastest growing companies in the private money marketplace in the U.S., focusing on residential real estate investments. Heather is passionate about helping self-employed entrepreneurs and their families build wealth and succeed in their business ventures and helping investors deploy capital that is looking for a high-yielding passive investment back, backed by residential real estate. She has seen real estate investors succeed and fail and is committed to tipping the scale to the side of success for everyone she can. So with that, Heather, you want to add anything to your background? Yeah, so we are a company based out of North Idaho, but just for clarification, we're actually a nationwide company. So we really focus around two sides of the business. We we assist our really active real estate investors with funding opportunities. You know, if they're buying investment properties, fixing and flipping, um, or even buying and holding, we have funding available for that. And then what I really focus on with the company is, is working with our clients that are looking for a passive route to wealth. You know, maybe there are clients that have created wealth for themselves through self-directed IRAs and things of that nature, or looking just to invest in alternative investments um, without really swinging a hammer or dealing with tenants and toilets. We have opportunity for that. Awesome. And why real estate funds are one of the best alternative investments you can make? Well, I think really it's it boils down to one thing is they are tangible assets that are secured in that fund, right? You know, we're not um, relying on a, a stock market account and, and investments that are manipulated and you don't have any control over when you're investing in a real estate fund, whether that's through a, a fund that's a commercial real estate fund that, you know, maybe is investing in, in storage units or apartment complexes or something like ours that is is investing in residential real estate assets, they are tangible assets. So when you are in an environment like we are, where there's inflation, interest rates are rising, you know, um, values of properties are leveling off and, and in some markets already declining, you can at least ride those waves out, right? You have a tangible asset. I believe that there's different options um, when markets start shifting, when you're dealing with real estate. So in my opinion, um, and just for clarification, I'm not a financial advisor, accountant, or an attorney, um, but we believe that there's a lot more stability and, and security when you're investing in real estate funds. Got it. Got it. So what's your take on current uh, residential real estate market? Yeah, I think it's interesting out there. Um, one of the things just to mention is that our funds focus around residential real estate, but it's in the affordable housing market space. So what I mean by that is we don't invest in properties and we don't lend against properties that are over the FHA cap. And if anybody on the podcast is familiar with what that means, 
it means that when you get above an FHA cap, and an FHA cap is different in every area, there's actually an online tool you can use to find out what your FHA cap is in your local market. Um, and what that does is once you get above that FHA cap, your database for buyers and people's ability to finance those high-end types of properties is extremely limited. Um, and so we focus around uh, the affordable housing market space. And I apologize. I, let me shut this off. And so again, we focus around that, that residential market space so that um, our investors have the ability to pivot if they need to. Um, so what we're seeing in the residential market space is we're seeing a lot of opportunity in buying and holding, right? A year, two years ago, we were really heavy into the fix and flip. There was lots of profit to be made. You could buy distressed properties, knowing that values were increasing, properties were selling very quickly. And so there was a lot of opportunity to make really quick cash on those. What we've seen recently with our borrowers that we lend money to, and then also the investments that we buy on behalf of the fund, is that there's more opportunity and the rates of return are higher to cash flow these properties. Rental rates have came up. People aren't buying, you know, at, at a pace that they were even six months ago. So we're starting to see that shift. A lot of that is because interest rates are increasing, right? You know, I think they've gone up almost three points just in the last, what, four months. Uh, so people's affordability is, is, is less than it was, you know, when rates were low. Um, and so we're seeing a lot of opportunity for funds like ours to buy properties to rent, to cash flow, whether that's single family up to four units. Another strategy we're seeing a lot of is, is selling properties on a contract. So seller carried back contracts, you know, people are not able to qualify for loans as easily as they were four to six months ago. And so we've started selling some properties and carrying contracts with a nice down payment. That's another way to create cash flow for our funds. So I think the asset hasn't changed. It's still the residential market up to four units, but the exit strategy has changed. The fix and flip is not as predominant as we saw it even four months ago. It's more find those deals, you know, put some value into the property, get it cash flowing, whether that's with a tenant or someone that's going to buy it on a contract and just keep those assets cash flowing. So that's the biggest change that we've seen really most recently. So from business plan and exit point of how exactly you're planning that? Yeah. So we've done two things. Once, What's interesting about our fund is a lot of funds buy assets and they hold them. So a syndication and your, your group on your podcast is probably very familiar with this since you guys focus around mostly uh, commercial, um, you know, you will buy an asset, hold that in the fund. Our, our fund has all these assets coming in and out. We, we diversify our funds two ways. So the way that our funds make money for our investors is a portion of our fund is lent out. So we lend money to other real estate investors, people that are buying investment properties or refinancing. So let's talk first about that. Like I said, a lot of those types of clients, instead of fixing and flipping, are buying doing a value add and renting them. We now have also a 30-year rental product. So we will refinance them out of those, those loans with us because ours are short-term loans. So we'll lend them money to go buy the real estate asset. We'll lend them money to rehab it. And then once they get the property rehabbed and they now have a tenant, we have a program that actually will refinance them out for better terms. And now they can hold it as a rental product and it will cash flow. It's a a fully amortized 30-year loan. So that's one of the things that we've done. 
the other portion of the fund is held in actual real estate assets in our local market. So in the state of Washington and the state of Idaho, we have an acquisition team that goes out, buys properties uh, with the intention of, in the past, was mainly to fix and flip, right? We'd buy these, we have a contracting crew, we get in, um, increase the value and sell them. Um, what we have found is we've actually started buying those properties and renting them out because the cash flow was so great on them. So one of the things that we've put in place is we now have a property management company to manage those rents. So we've got, you know, a 22 unit small apartment complex. We've got four or five uh, fourplexes held in the fund's assets. We've got a bunch of single families. And so we have now this property management company that makes sure that, you know, lawns are mowed, that people are making their payments and, you know, renting them out if we have a vacancy. You know, I think the biggest thing is is putting infrastructure in place within your, your company to manage that type of stuff, right? We have never had great luck using third parties. We don't typically use, you know, an outside property management company or a servicing company. So it's really about as your, as your investment strategies change and your exit strategies change, what kind of infrastructure do you need? So we needed a loan program to exit these deals, to hold them. We needed infrastructure to manage these assets that we're holding also. So that's probably been the biggest change in our business model that we've put in place in just the last three to four months. Got it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So and what is your fund's investment strategy? So our fund's investment strategy is twofold. One is to lend the money out, right? So we lend money out at no more than 70% of the value. These are short-term loans. So typical term on a loan is 12 months. Average rate that the funds are earning on those, those type of lending deals is about 10%. Uh, and so the fund originates and holds that paper. So they're getting origination points and obviously the payments from the interest payments. That's one model. And then the other one is the acquisitions that I just mentioned. So whether that's buying and holding and cash flowing them or buying and selling them, you know, we're doing both. If, if the numbers make sense to sell it, we're going to sell it, you know, and, and make a quick dollar for the fund. Um, but that fund's been averaging 10% for the last nine years. So it does very well because, you know, the reality is it has multiple streams of income, right? We're not just relying on originating and we're not just relying on selling. So we can always ramp one up or the other if we see that, you know, our pipeline is, is, is smaller, you know, with originations and vice versa for acquisitions. So our model is twofold. It's acquisitions and debt. Got it. Got it. So what are the risks associated with your fund's investment strategy? I think it's like anything else. There's risk and the risk is, you know, hey, if borrowers stop paying, we're going to have to foreclose. You know, like I said, we're lending on on properties in the affordable housing market space. So our opinion and our strategy is even if they don't pay and we have to foreclose, we could at least take the asset back. We could cash flow it, right? We could turn it into a rental. So I think the the risk on that side of the, the model is, you know, borrowers not might not make their payments and we may need to foreclose, you know, so cash flow could be affected for a period of time. The upside and the the comfort I have sleeping at night is knowing that we could get in and and cash flow these properties to ride out a market. On the acquisition side, I think the risk is buying properties, you know, properties that maybe we bought 10 months ago. You know, we're starting to see values leveling off. You know, we buy very off-market distressed deals. So we're not buying off the MLS. We're not paying retail for these deals. But I think the risk in that is we may not be able to sell the property, right? Maybe, you know, and I was in our property 
um, asset management meeting yesterday and we have houses that we bought 10 months ago that had tenants that we had to get out. So now we're 10 months down the road and we're looking at the numbers saying, hey, we're not gonna sell this for what we thought we were 10 months ago. So the risk is, well, what are we gonna do? We're gonna pivot, we're gonna cash flow that thing right now. So I think the risk in the, the acquisition is buying real estate, not either turning it quick enough or not getting cash flowing tenants in there quick enough. You know, we have dialed that in. I don't not too concerned about it. But the risk is we might have to just hold on to some assets and ride out these waves. You know, I don't think we've seen the worst of this market yet. Got it. Right. And what are your funds key performance indicators that you're tracking? On the funds, you know, we're we're tracking obviously the performance of the assets in the notes that we sell, right? And that that would be like our default rates. So, you know, foreclosure rates are under 2%. I'd say average default rate is five to 6%. So those are, you know, KPIs that we track on that. And then the KPIs on the acquisitions, you know, we're looking at profit and cash flow. And so when we look at a deal and we buy an asset, we run the numbers both ways, right? So, you know, what if we cash flow that? What does our return on investment look like if it's just a rental? And then vice versa, what's our cash flow if we just fix and flip it? So we've got these calculators built out. Um, our fund pays out quarterly payouts. We also have a fund that actually is open to unaccredited investors. It's got a minimum investment of $1,000. That's been averaging 8.3% and it's managed the same, same types of assets, debt and acquisition in it. Got it. So, and what are your fund's major accomplishments? Well, I would say that the one that's been around 10 years, has actually, I guess, first for both funds, we've never missed paying PREF. We've always paid above and beyond our preferred rate. I think that's a huge accomplishment. Um, our accredited investor fund has been around 10 years and it's never paid an annualized yield less than 10%. I think that's a pretty big accomplishment, even through COVID. I mean, that's a great rate of return. Our unaccredited investor fund has an average lifetime annualized yield of 8.3%. Um, and so... I think a biggest accomplishment, never missing prep and always paying above and beyond our preferred rate. What are the sorts of capital for your fund? All of our capital in our funds is, is raised here. It's very organic. We don't leverage our funds. We don't have lines of credit. We basically, I, I hate to use this terminology, but we eat what we kill. So we only deploy the capital that we raise. We don't try to leverage our funds because our model is much different than, than a syndication, right? A syndication makes sense to leverage it, um, but not with ours because the assets are so quick turning in and out of it. You know, the notes are paying off very fast. It doesn't make sense to leverage those. And then the real estate assets, um, you know, don't make, they, it doesn't pencil out to leverage those funds. Got it, got it. And would you share any of your best experience of our best experience, best investing experience so far? Probably on the real estate side. You know, we, you know, we have bought we before COVID, where we found a lot of deals was auction. We were at auction every single Friday in our area. It happens on a Friday morning, and you know, as we all know, through COVID, when COVID hit, that stopped foreclosures. There was a moratorium. You couldn't physically go down to auction. And I think our biggest accomplishment is our acquisition team pivoted immediately. And we started, we started dialing and we were dialing lists of out-of-town homeowners, um, distressed landlords. We had a, a lot of opportunity and, and bought some great properties from 
you know, mom and pop landlords that had tenants that weren't paying through that whole COVID thing. Tenants weren't required to pay rents. And so we made some really good money, but I think our biggest accomplishment is really being able as a, as a team to pivot very quickly when COVID hit, knowing that we still had to buy assets, right? We still had money to deploy. We needed cash flow coming in. And then on the lending side of it, our servicing team did an awesome, awesome job. We didn't have foreclosures. We continued to keep people paying, even if it was less than their normal scheduled payment, just keep them cash flowing. And we rode that out. I think really just the, the ability to continue paying our, our lenders double digits through COVID was, is our biggest accomplishment. Great. And would you also share any challenging experiences? Well, I think the challenge is always finding the deals. You know, one of the things that we're, we're challenged with right now, I think, is values. Um, I was just in what we call lender committee yesterday, and, and we're starting to look at appraisals a lot closer than we ever did. You know, I think we were all on this ride, right? You know, properties were continuing to go up. There was a lot of room for error, right? You know, well, you know, maybe the property's worth this, but you know, we're increasing like at this pace, you know, we could, we could fudge a little bit. I think the biggest challenge right now is really knowing what values are um, because you're, you're getting appraisals and, and these, these reports in that are basing the value off of comps from 10 months ago. And that is not what properties are worth right now. We, we actually had an appraisal yesterday that was on a property out of Alabama and the appraisal came in at like 558 and there is no way on earth that house would have ever sold for more than uh, 400 was a stretch. So the challenge as a lender is we require borrowers to get an appraisal. We base our loan off that appraisal. But now we're saying, hey, we told you to get an appraisal, but we don't like that value. So I think the challenge right now is really being able to service our borrowers still, but also protect our fund and our investors and, and really hone in on what the value of that property is, because that's that's the key to private lending, right? And and actually even acquisition, knowing what that value of that property is if you had to fire sale it and get out of it. And so I think the biggest challenge we have right now is values. You know, I don't think that that appraisals are reflecting foreclosures and, and dips in market because they're still using old comps from in, even four months ago, things have changed. So I think that's probably our biggest challenge right now is really as a team getting on the same page and, and, and deciding what that value is. Even if an appraisal comes in higher, you can't rely on that all the time. Uh, are you seeing these trends in all your markets? Yeah. I mean, we're across the board, you know, we, like I said, we lend nationwide. So that's the other thing. It's hard for us to know the Greensboro market when we're located in North Idaho, right? So we're relying on appraisers and contractors and BPOs and, and that type of thing. You know, we do a lot of research just internally. There's, there's so many online marketing tools. And if we're really questioning it, we have boots on the ground all over. So we can send, you know, someone that we've done business with, Hey, go look at this property. What do you think of it? So, um, you know, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a challenge across all markets right now. Got it, got it. What is your company's current focus? Our current focus is the same as it's always been. We're going we're gonna to lend money on residential properties, so single family up to four units. Uh, and those are the same types of properties that we're buying, residential up to four units. So our focus has not changed, but our exits have. You know, like I mentioned before, our, 
our ability to know what our borrowers exit strategies are and whether they're viable is is a big focus of ours because at the end of the day we don't want to take a bunch of properties back and then as far as our acquisition goes you know our focus is well how do we make the fund money with this this asset right are we selling it are we renting it but focus again is is always going to be around single family up to four units um we decided as a as a team 10 years ago that we were going to stay in our lane <laughs> we weren't going to try to be everything for everybody. You know, our expertise is in the residential affordable housing market space, and we will continue to focus around that. Got it. And let's shift towards personal questions. So any of your personal habits that are helping you to be successful? Yeah, I think there's a couple of them that are big ones for me. And I, I notice, and I'm not perfect. I get off, I get off track from time to time. The summer has been crazy where we're from we get a lot of snow. So when it's summertime here and you have your boats out and you're at the lake, people try to get in July and August, like, you know, so it's easy to get off track, but um, when I'm focused and, and what makes my day and sets a tone is, is reading in the morning, you know, even if it's for 15 to 30 minutes, you know, kind of just staying off social media, it's easy to get on your phones and check emails and check Instagram, you know, that's a big marketing tool now, but it, it does suck you in. So reading and then exercising exercising once a day, even if it's just for a walk is a big one for me. It, it helps bring clarity. Um, it reduces stress. You know, anybody that's in the, the real estate investment world, it's not for the weak at heart. <laughs> so it, there's lots of moving parts to it. So um, I would say reading and exercising and enjoying family, you know, not getting so wrapped up in in life that you, you know, six months go by and you haven't sat down and had a family dinner. Family comes first. Great. So any books that impacted your life? And uh, I've read a lot of them. Actually, at our company, we have a book of the month that we pay our employees. And just to give you an idea, we have 100 employees. We pay them $100 a month to read a book that we assign uh, and then actually write a six paragraph report on it. Um, and so right now we're reading Leaders Eat Last. Um, which is, you know, regardless of whether you're a manager, executive, you know, director of something, everybody's a leader at, to some extent, whether they're a leader at home, a leader in their department. Um, and so that's a good one that we've been reading a lot uh, or reading lately. Um, I've read Atomic Habits. I like that book. I think habits are really important. And um, I mean, I could go on and on. Our, our CEO says rich people have big libraries, poor people have big TVs. <laughs> Great, great quote. And, and share any one personal learning or personal decision that impacted your life? Um, probably meeting our CEO here. 10 years ago, I was getting out of the, the private money world. You know, it had been a, a rough ride through 2008 and um, they recruited me and, and it was life-changing for me. I've since then invested in real estate. I own rentals with my husband. We've fixed and flipped and um, you know, kind of got a passion for it again. So that was probably a, a, a big turning point in my life. I was actually getting ready to go back into the conventional banking world, which I can't even imagine doing that. But, you know, being in private lending and real estate investing, there's lots of peaks and valleys. And, you know, it's not always, you know, not every deal's a win. So um, I was really kind of burned out on it, but it, it, you know, coming to work here and being part of this team really re-energized me and and showed me that I have more to give clients, you know, and educate them and and opportunities for them to create them wealth for themselves and their families. I have a lot of clients that invest with us that have retired, that have sold their practices, their businesses, and they live off of 
the wealth that they create through the investments that they, they that we offer and they they invest with with us. I don't think that you know people understand that there's stuff out there outside of the stock market. There's there's a lot better opportunities. I'm not here to say pull all your money out of the stock market. But I am here to say that diversifying and and looking at real estate as an asset class in your portfolio is a path to wealth. Great. And how are you giving back to community? Um, We actually do a lot of things. So uh, in October, we're going to Ensenada and building a house um, for um, a family there. Um, We are a faith-based company. So uh, we actually provide our employees with a week, so 40 hours of vacation time that doesn't doesn't um, affect their regular vacation time, but if they are volunteering or doing things that are giving back to the community, they have the ability to use that 40 hours for that. So we encourage a lot of that. We do a lot of things, um, you know, during Christmas time, um, providing, you know, gifts for less fortunate. We do a food pantry drive. um, And again, we are a faith-based company and we have a ministry also. Awesome. And how can listeners can connect with you? Yeah, they can always go to our website at Secured Investment Corp. So no S, so Secured Investment Corp. And they can get information about our funds on there. Again, we have an accredited investor fund. We also have an unaccredited investor fund with a minimum of $1,000. So people don't have to have big dollars to start investing. And then we sell notes on there. So they can always go to our website. They can actually schedule an appointment with myself. Um, and I'm, I'm really just here to educate people. Like I said, I'm not a financial advisor. I don't give investment advice, but I will educate you about alternative investments. And if it's something that, you know, somebody feels like is a good fit for their portfolio, we can have discussions further. Awesome. Awesome. And thank you very much, Heather. Really yeah. Thank good. you for having me. Sure. Thanks for listening to Multifamily AP360. Check out the show notes and grab the freebie on our website, ushacapital.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Follow me on my social media. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time.